Marketing success comes from identifying the right opportunities. And sponsoring the Up Next in Commerce podcast might just be the best opportunity you'll hear about today. With tens of thousands of listeners, expert creative, production, and strategic promotion teams at the helm, not to mention millions of impressions at the ready, this is a growth opportunity you should not ignore. Email me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with the Up Next in Commerce team. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of Mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. Replatforming is often an essential part of growing any e-commerce business. And since this is the case, I thought it would be awesome to have an expert join the show who has done just this, twice. Rob Johnson, who serves as the principal e-commerce technical program leader at Wise, which is now a leader in the smart home product sector, hopped on the show to walk me through what it was like to replatform at his previous company, Deseret Book, and his current company, Wise. Plus, he gave away some insider tips on the changes he made in his role that made the biggest impact on conversions and ROI, and an interesting look into the opportunities to come, such as building a platform that has consumption and purchase in the same place. Tune in to find out more. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. Same. So before we get into your work at WISE, I was hoping you could highlight your journey of where you've been and a little bit about you. Yeah. So the very beginning of my career, I worked for a small uh, internet marketing company back in 2001 uh, in the UK, where originally is where I'm from. And that uh, was an internet marketing company that focused mostly on e-commerce, but also through direct mail and having direct mail commerce, if you will, where you put in your credit card uh, information and or send a check or send cash and, and buy stuff. Since then, I've done things from news media, uh, where I, I worked for a media company in Salt Lake City that owned radio stations and newspapers and TV stations. Uh, they also owned a, a retail banner that have uh, three banners about 60 stores. And that's where I worked over the digital and e-commerce for uh, seven years. That was a great education. 
stepping up the e-commerce game, if you will. I kind of got hooked on e-commerce because the value that you can bring is so quantifiable that you can just see these metrics and make some changes and see a massive impact. And really what happened was I, I worked on search engine optimization, which was when I started in 2001, I did my first e-commerce microsite project and worked on, uh, back then you'd call it today, our um, CRO, conversion rate optimization. So it's a combina combination of search engine optimization and conversion rate optimization was my first project that I worked on and did all sorts of uh, back then black hat things that um, would be considered black hat today, but were just normal SEO practices back then. Really loved what search engine optimization did. And I, I worked on that for news media in Salt Lake. Back then, the e-commerce team, an e-commerce team approached me and said, hey, can you do some of that for us? And, you know, in, in news media, uh, the news, the business model is very broken since, you know, newspapers start to go into decline and classifieds start to go into decline. I was able to increase the uh, search engine referrals significantly around 150% improvement year over year. That was like pennies, if you will, kind of. But then when I applied that to e-commerce, suddenly we're talking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars improvement in revenue. And I was just hooked at that point. <laughs> so I transferred over to that team, I ended up leading their e-commerce, worked eventually on the executive team for, for the company that owned all three banners, and then uh, made the move. We actually, then as well, we worked on subscriptions, which has been a really fascinating part of e-commerce in the last few years, subscriptions have really taken off. They've been an excellent form and a very reliable form of revenue. And uh, had discussions with Wise over the past uh, couple of years and eventually made the jump over. And it's been a blast uh, working with Wise and uh, I've helped them re-platform, which is something I did before at my previous gig. So I want to kind of go back a bit to when you were listing off all the things that you've done there, it seems like you've done everything that the industry maybe was interested in, maybe wasn't interested in for a while, and now it's back again. How do you view the landscape when it comes to radio, brochures, like newspaper, all the things that you used to work on? Do you feel like they're coming back? And are you kind of thinking about them today? Or is that staying in the past? Yeah. Um, so radio is an interesting one. They were really worried about podcasts in the early days. And they started to do some interesting things where they would convert their shows into radio podcasts, which I think is a great, a great idea. But they ended up, even with the, the sales revenue that was coming through for their shows, they found that they didn't actually have anything to worry about because it kind of just set to a certain level and hasn't dipped much below that. And they were able to get some incremental value from the podcasts. And so Radio didn't really have too much to be concerned about. And if anything, just the format's different. I mean, if you think about books too, that was a big one for us. And, and the, that Desert Book was, uh, or is, a hun over 150 years old as a company, with their newspaper being the first brand of Utah. And if anything, the, you know, no one's reading less. If, any, if anything, if people are reading more. The format just changes. For example, we looked at uh, how engagement was improving or changing. And uh, what we found is that as we added additional media formats to our products, if you will, we actually gained more engagement significantly. Uh, podcasts have been a huge part of that. And there's several podcasts that we created. 
And so in a way, you're trying to disrupt yourself before you're disrupted by someone else. And so that's part of the fun, the fun part of how things are changing. Uh, if you're just sticking with what you're doing all day, every day, uh, you'll be left behind uh, eventually. So we even ventured into kind of instructional video type of things and played around with that a little bit. And I think they're still working on that, but that was kind of the next phase of basically taking a book, but just changing its format. So content is still king. It's just the format and how you deliver it that is changing. Yep. I love it. So before we go any farther, for anyone who doesn't know what WISE is, can you explain what it is and what drew you to the company? Yeah. So WISE, WISE is a smart home company that is famous for its uh, security camera. And it's a camera that can go inside or outside. It's called, the, the current iteration is the WiseCam V3. It's just a small little guy, very versatile in, in how it can be used. It can be put on outside um, your home, inside your office. It's weatherproof. Um, it has an incredible DPI and definition and clarity of, of the image, both in the day and at night. There's a number of things I love about Wise. One is that they want to make technology accessible to everyone. And I think my own personal mantra is that good technology gets out of the way. We want to be humans having a human experience. We don't want to be turning into robots, if you will. And so any good technology allows you to, to be more human and it gets out of the way and just kind of sits in the background. One of the great things is that they're working on vision AI type of stuff, right? So if you have one pointing on your porch, let's say, you know, if someone leaves a package, it will tell you, hey, a package has been delivered. Hey, we've detected your pet. Your pet just escaped and went out the door or something. Or, hey, here's a person, even to the point where you can have uh, facial recognition and say, hey, such and such just got home, like maybe one of your kids or, or whatever. One of the things that we, we hear of, uh, and this is one of the things that just make you enjoy the company even more is we had someone who reached out and said, hey, um, I've not been really a fan of the internet of things. I'm not really that type of person, but my wise camera just told me that there was smoke in my kitchen. And I ran back home and because of that alert on my phone and found that my kitchen was on fire and I was able to put it out just in time and save my house from burning down. Wow, that's that's not a testimonial. Jeez, I don't know what is. I hope you guys captured a video of that. I know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's there's a lot of application even beyond that that can happen uh, with security. Like, you know, what if it could detect certain things on the premises, certain objects that were were there or being held or or whatever, and tell you, hey, uh, this is happening, and then that can trigger certain, you know, maybe it locks your home. Um, make sure all the doors are locked and things like that. All sorts of different rules and fun stuff. And honestly, I'm just a big nerd deep down and I just think it's just really fun stuff. And so now there's an ecosystem that's being built with this type of intelligence and, and all of this connectivity that can really improve the quality of life, I think. And so the, the key is with the making accessible or accessible to everyone is how do you make it easy enough that even grandma could do it? That's the key uh, to the growth, I think, the next phase of growth for WISE is to make it very simple, friendly, and uh, accessible to everyone. Yeah, and it looks like there's so many 
products that they're putting out as well. I mean, they've got the doorbell camera, the security camera, looks like they have a scale. I think, I mean, there were so many things when I looked at your the website, I was like, wow, they're really, seems like once you learn it in one format, you're able to just kind of replicate those learnings and put it into other products and make them all pretty smart. And I mean, it was impressive seeing how many products you all have. Yeah, it is interesting. If you look at competitors like Ring or Arlo, there's, they don't have the breadth of product offering that we have. Maybe that's a good thing, and maybe that's um, maybe we need to focus more on the things that that matter more. But one of the most recent ones that I think was really interesting was the Wise Air Purifier. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, it's not a camera. There's no there's no intelligence per se that that can have that connects to a camera. But we sold out that product within a day. What it features, and the thing that people love about Wise is that we offer high quality at a really really low price. I saw, yeah, some of the prices for these cameras that we're selling. I'm like, how are they making any money? Yeah. Uh, truthfully, the margins, you know, are, are razor thin. Yeah. Absolutely razor thin. And where the model that we're moving toward is really the subscriptions uh, of having the services that bring the smarts to these devices beyond just, you know, what they have natively on them. Got it. So you don't mind kind of eating the cost of the hardware if you can have a you know 10 year like lifetime customer essentially who's reordering the software behind the scenes yeah exactly yeah if we can help secure your home uh, with the services that we have that connect to these devices um you know tell you when packages arrive and things like that then the hardware is really just the means to to that and if you think about you know xbox and you think about even alexa and those things it's really the same thing Mm-hmm. My Alexa's now kicking off, but yeah. Hello, Rob. <laughs> yes, it's it's really the same approach. It's not it's not really a new approach, but um, it's definitely a daring approach when you are just a startup, don't have the big dollars of the big companies behind them like Microsoft and Amazon. So yeah. So earlier you mentioned replatforming. That was a big part of your role. I want to hear you know what you did at Deseret Books and uh, what that looked like. Yeah, you bet. So in the beginning. There was a legacy platform that was homegrown. And when I first got there, um, as I was tracking, I was kind of doing the doing my product management type of thing and found that about 38% of the work that we were doing with our development team mm-hmm. was for bugs that kept coming up. Wow. How much is that in dollars when you start exactly absolutely the salary of these people having to fix all these bugs every day? Right. And, and that was back in 2011. Uh, 2012. And, you know, the big thing that we were saying is, why are we trying to solve a solved problem? That was the mantra that we had. We're trying to reinvent something that has already been invented, if you will. And uh, are there any solutions out there that have already solved these problems for us? Because how many people are creating their own carts and creating their own, you know, fulfillment logic and things like that? So back in 2000. I think it was 12, went to New York. We were a Ruby on Rails shop. Everything was written in Ruby on Rails. And so we thought, hey, let's see what exists out there that's on Ruby on Rails and let's leverage an open source community so we can have the benefit of owning our software, developing whatever we want on that software, but inheriting all the good stuff that's already been solved. And then also inherit uh, and, and have the benefit of all the security improvements that are made on that platform. So we went to New York, um, went to a spree conference there, 
lots of really interesting things uh, were being said and happening that that continue to be done today, honestly. Even back then, it was talking about splitting the e-commerce engine from the front end and having APIs basically run um, all of your front end and just have your, your back end be just this engine that sits behind the scenes. Then you can serve both your front end for your commerce. You can also serve a front end for your, your app as well. And then anything else that you want to do, including a point of sale. And so we actually did all of those things. We actually start building our own point of sale with wow. this as a back-end commerce. Yeah. Ambitious. <laughs> Very ambitious. And we got pretty far with it. But then the pandemic happened. And suddenly the talent that you have, you know, the value of e-commerce just doubled. Mm-hmm. Right. And so so did all of the people who knew how to do commerce really well. Just like it just kind of exploded. And so, you know, our team over the time, over time kind of just went off in different directions uh, just because the market was just absolutely, you know, red hot. And then we we're kind of left with this, okay, we've, we've done a ton of stuff. Um, you know, we did our own in-store fulfillment. We had 60 stores. We did in-store fulfillment, buy in line, pick up in store. All of that was homegrown that we've made. You have like a little Frankenstein commerce product <laughs> that you built yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, so many of those exist out yeah. in the wild, you know. There's so much nuance to the way that businesses have done things for so, so many years. There's not been any really core solution that's been flexible enough or has guided kind of the standards, if you will, of retail. So, for example, your loyalty programs might be very different from, you know, store to store that have really nuanced things that don't exist just out of the box today. As that change happened with the cost of resources and the cost of full-time employees, you've got to think now with that, with um, hosting and security and GDPR and CCPA and all of these things are just continuing to build up. All of these things are very costly. And so, you know, I did an analysis and said, okay, well, now we've done really well with this with this open source platform and it's been fantastic. Do we continue with that and just kind of continue to look for talent that can help us with that as those costs increase? Or do we look for a solution that um, has been solved and you know, maybe a lot of the problems that we don't, have, don't want to have to deal with, like security and, and um, you know, uptime and response times and all the optimizations of, of the back end, can we just focus on what we do best, which is just commerce? and let someone else take care of all of that. And what does that look like? How many FTEs is that equivalent to? And that was the exercise that we went through and found that, yeah, I mean, now more than ever, it makes more sense to switch to something that can take care of the, the, the boring things, if you will, so you can focus on the customer-facing things. And so we made the decision to, to migrate uh, to a solution. And the key is when you look at solutions, the key is that you want to look for something that gives you that flexibility. Ideally, something that's really well documented from an API perspective uh, and something where you can really self-serve, I believe. You want to have something that tells you, hey, here's how this works and that works without having to talk to people. Because people are super expensive. And you know, I think it speaks volumes when a product just 
does what it says it does and shows you, you know, you can just read how it works and you start playing with it and you're off to the races. I think that's that's the real key of growth for these SaaS platforms that are moving forward. Yeah, that's kind of the the story with how we kind of, at least we were thinking, you know, why we made changes from moving all the way from a homegrown solution through open source, through ultimately a SaaS product that was, uh, you know, owned by another company. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about. Publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. While you were doing that at Deseret, what was the solution you ended up going with, going from your homegrown and then figuring it out and you pick something that was already working, what did you end up using? Yeah. So homegrown Ruby solution to Spree Commerce, uh, mm-hmm. which is a Ruby on Rails open source platform that then we changed over to Solidus.io, which is the same platform, but um, has uh, opinions that are a little, little bit different. Uh-huh. And then we switched over to Salesforce uh, Commerce and we added CRM Actually, it's a very interesting story because it's all nerdy, but I think this is what the show's all about, right? I like nerdy. We're going to go there. Cool. Yeah. So, because, you know, we had 60 stores, so you have a point of sale, you have a loyalty system, and you want to connect that loyalty system and have a one experience for the customer, whether they're in the store or online, right? And the problem is you have disparate systems. So the customer relationship management tool that you're using needs to also talk to your e-commerce and also to your point of sale. And so marrying all of those things together is, is pretty challenging. A lot of uh, retailers and other folks decided, hey, let's do a customer data platform that takes all this customer data from all these different systems and makes sense of it, merges it into one golden record, if you will, and then allows you to basically have and create the same experience across all these platforms. And then it would update you know, your e-commerce, it would update your point of sale, it would update your applications that you have, it would update, you know, other marketing channels like Facebook and Google and all the, you know, hundreds of (laughs) places you can go with that. What we decided to do was instead of trying to have all these disparate systems talk together, why don't we just simplify the stack and go and have basically um, one uh, core CRM that would serve both point of sale and also uh, your e-commerce. And so we decided to go with uh, Commerce Cloud, also uh, use a partner that works with Salesforce CRM for the point of sale and have everything kind of just simplify it and have everything talk to this this core CRM, which removes the need for a customer data platform because you're simplifying that stack. And so 
that simplification was something we talked to at length with various implementers and, and various clients and things like that. And it cleans things up. We also use their order management solution, which would improve. And one of the big things maybe we'll talk about later on is the importance of customers knowing when and where product is, when they're going to receive it, where it's located. And the order management solution with their stock level layer that's built into that is a real big checkbox for us in terms of knowing where all that product is. I mean, Desert Book has 60,000 saleable SKUs at any given point. Wow. And you have 60 stores. And so you're like, where is everything? You know? Yeah. So it's a big, uh, pretty fairly large technical problem to solve. And so you're looking for a partner who can, who understands that, who's worked with big clients before. You know, I think for some of the open source things, you've got to make sure you right size of the solution for your business. And I would say that uh, Desert Book, what we struggled with was we're in a very awkward size because we're kind of an SM, SMB, we're kind of medium-ish sized, but we, we have requirements that are fairly enterprise level. And so picking the right solution is, is a fairly tricky thing to do with all of the, the demands and requirements that we have. So went with Salesforce, went with a, an implementer that has been excellent so far. And I, I have since moved on, but I know that I still keep in touch and know that that's been a good experience for them. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. Thank you for highlighting that journey. So when you went from Desert, a hundred plus year old company, and then you went to Wise, like what was the mindset shift like that you had to maybe change, especially when you're coming in and maybe auditing their e-commerce practices or the, you, you know, you said you replatformed again, like how did you have to kind of think differently when going to, you know, more of a startup? I think it's, you know, Series B is what they've raised so far and definitely very different than a company that's 100 years. How old was it? 150. And it's probably more like 160 now. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What was that like? Yeah. So my first thing was realizing how some of the processes were just not there. (laughs) And that's going to happen, right? Between an old company and new company. When I arrived, actually right before I went, uh, I was asked to help architect the uh, migration from Magento and uh, that decision had already been made. And so that was kind of the, you know, hey, how do, we, how do we connect our iOS app and our Android app and our e-commerce and our other React apps that we have? How do we, you know, how do we put all of this together and how do we do fulfillment and how do we do order management and things like that? And so- That's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. <laughs> right up front. <laughs> right up front. And I was, to be honest, a little panicked by it because, I, you know, this, it's a lot to learn a company so quickly to make the decisions that really you're, we're dealing with a lot of revenue, a lot of orders, and uh, any downtime is is going to be problematic. So when I when I moved over to Wise, it was pretty stressful to to make sure that everything was going well and to learn a company so quickly and how everything works, especially when you're remote. There's no office, so you're you know you're looking at documentation, you're looking at all these UML diagrams, trying to understand how does this all piece together and what are some of the pain points that exist today that we need to improve. Anyway, all of those migrations have been done, which has been great. And I, I mean, I've only been at WISE for five months and we started the, that migration process. I think we launched February and just towards the end of March, we migrated fully. So it was a pretty hefty month of work. The key has been to 
the changes, the speed of which things need to happen is much faster. There's less worry about making a mistake and more focus about driving change and improvement and trying things out. It's kind of more fun because you're kind of, you're kind of going crazy. Um, it can be fun. It can be stressful. The great thing is that we've just had a lot of autonomy to just go out and make changes and make improvements. So yeah, from the very beginning of adding something to your car all the way through fulfillment, all of that has changed apart from our 3PL partners. It's been a fantastic project to work on. I think we're in a really good place. We've seen really good improvements. We've shortened down our fulfillment times and Anyway, I could go on, but it'd be boring. But it's been a, it's been awesome. I do want to hear about the improvements that you know attributed to the largest ROI. Like, what changes did you make where you were like, "Wow, that was surprising! How big of an impact that had on the company, or you know, orders, or you know, top line revenue, whatever it may be." Yeah. So some of them were just pain points that were from their previous Magento implementation mm -hmm. that they struggled with. In many ways, it felt like I was at the beginning of my time at Desert Book because they were on a system that seemed to be groaning with uh, bugs and issues that they were having at that time. And, you know, you're going to experience that when you have significant growth. When you had to deploy changes, it took a long time. You know, if you had a new product that was to go out to the public, it took like a month to get that ready. Wow. Just the way that it was done was very um, handcrafted and all of that. And it took a long time to make changes and all of that stuff. And, and one of the big benefits, when you move to a system that kind of has the content management all built into it, and you can leverage those tools without having to do custom code, is you actually lower the bar of entry for people to help and do things. So Strategically, really significant part of this is handing the keys, if you will, and empowering teams that are responsible for merchandising, are responsible for products, and saying, here you go, have at it. Now, suddenly, their key metrics that they're over, they have direct access to be able to make those changes. And that has made a significant deal. So I was brought on to help with things like first overall architecture, then conversion rate optimization. And A-B testing was part of that. And one of, the, one of the changes I made was I would, you know, I set up the A-B testing, got all the tools and everything built in. And then I showed one of our product merchandisers and said, here's how you do it. And he's now just taken off doing like multiple tests. Oh, that's nice. That's my favorite thing is empowering teams to be able to do what they need to do. And I feel like over the past 12 years uh, of e-commerce work, my job has been to empower teams to be able to do what they do. Because then, you know, instead of having tickets and project managers and all of that stuff, you, you remove all of that mm -hmm. and they can just get to work and you see really great results. So like today, you know, in our standup, one of the product uh, merchandisers said, hey, I've been doing these tests and I found that when I moved this around and I put a video here, we got an increase of like 68% in conversion clicks. And it was just, it's just music to my ears when I, when I see people who make those changes, make those designs, be able to get the data and understand it themselves and just run. And like organizationally, you're winning, you're, you're racing at that point. Minimizing layers between thought and action and just having it be immediate you just, you can fly with it. So we did see really great improvement with uh, conversion rate 
the big key as well is to, whenever you kind of replatform, you have an opportunity to simplify and distill down really what it is that you need to provide to the customer. And so speeding up, this is industry-wide, that speed is the number one feature. That's what's going to get you a tremendous improvement in conversion rates. So really thinking through what makes a difference for customers, what really should be there, what may not need to be there, and not being afraid to throw things out and shake things up is always a great opportunity. Yeah, I love that. Are there any big projects you're working on right now that you're super excited about, but you don't know if it'll really have the outcome that you're desiring? Like it's a big bet and yeah, kind of like a test. Yeah. So one of them right now is migrating subscription services. So we're migrating from one service to another. And the idea is that the customer doesn't really notice a difference, except that we can now uh, speed up and add subscriptions easily to, like, really, it's the, the, we're getting hardware and software or service, and we're sticking them together as much as we can. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, make it so that you have more flexibility in how you manage uh, the merchandising of that, how you manage the all of the behind the scenes of how you connect all of that together. Uh, so for example, every camera that's there, there's a license you buy for it uh, to then you know have all of the the good AI stuff that you want with it. If I suddenly you know have four other cameras, how do I easily just add more licenses to my plan? How do we make that process as simple as possible? And so, We've moved to another uh, subscription uh, service to help with that. But in some ways, it's like, well, can we make it so that it's going to improve serviceability? And, or does it make it easier for customers to manage? And does that have an upside to it? Or is it not going to make a difference at all? And all of this work is for nothing. So Yeah. I don't know. I'm betting on it's definitely going to be worth it. I mean, I can think of so many times right now where hardware and software, like it's not working well together, whether it's my Sonos speakers, that's for some reason always drop off, you know, out of the app, don't work with Spotify. Thinking about, you know, Amazon Kindle, like I bought a book on like the desktop today and it's definitely not showing up on my phone Kindle app. I'm like, well, where'd it go? It's just out in the ethers floating around trying to make it to my phone, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I think it's when you think about the convergence of all these different technologies, or even if you think about like B2B and B2C, like expectations are now the same. Shopping behavior is like pretty similar. People want a great platform, regardless of if it's B2C or B2B. Same thing with like hardware and software. If I buy a camera, I better see it instantly in my app and be able to get the license and move things around. And so, yeah, I'm betting with you that that's going to be a worthwhile project. (laughs) Yeah, uh, definitely. Moving millions of subscriptions over is always, that migration process is always nerve wracking, takes Mm -hmm. takes a while. But this is a similarity between Wise and, and my previous gig is that you want to bring in a service with your hardware. So it, it might sound weird, but with books, you've got books, but you've also got ebooks and you've got audiobooks. When you're shopping for a particular movie, you also have the ability to watch the movie right there on the product page. Having kind of like your consumption and your purchasing happen in the same place has always been very interesting to me. So how does WISE do that? Well, you know, when you, we have um, a web viewer now for all of your uh, connected cameras. So we can connect as you come to the site, you can also take a look and go look at your own, you know, alerts and things, view the cameras that, you know, that you've got set up. 
You can also, when you buy a camera, immediately at the same time in one click, purchase the service that goes with it. And that's a free trial, right? So you buy, buy a camera, you get a free trial, and it comes together in one click type of thing. So putting hardware and software together um, is, I think, a really interesting next step. Like the whole consumption and purchase in the same place has always been fascinating to me. Because I think if you just look at like a, a store experience and you put it online, I think you're missing out on a whole bunch more. That was my my beef with eBooks really is like, if it's just words on now a screen instead of paper, I think you're missing a whole bunch of stuff, right? So we worked on things like embedded video, embedded audio, you know, uh, high resolution images that you can zoom in and do stuff on. We did tagging of text and notes and all of that stuff, even before Kindle did actually, which is kind of fun. It was really popular, but you know, if you're just trying to change that experience and make it the same thing and not take advantage of that particular medium, um, I think you're missing out on a bunch. And so I think that's where for me, e-commerce is, is interesting because even all of the the big giants, even even Amazon.com, right? Huge. They've they've got all the traffic right now, you know, and that's what makes them so powerful. But they can't do some of these things that are unique that maybe deepen the relationship you have with your customer. What is it that that your experience could give a customer that you know would provide additional value? And giving them a reason to come back again and again. So that was my thought with books. It was like, well, what if your library and your shop is the same place? It's kind of like what Barnes and Noble do in the retail sense. You know, they have the coffee shop, and then they have the the store, and it's it's more of an experience. It's not just about looking at books. It's about spending time as if you're in just an awesome library that you can just you know wander around. How do you create that type of experience with with commerce? That, for some reason, always keeps coming into my head and uh, thinking, what's the best way to take advantage of this platform? Because it's, it's seemingly limitless, you know? Yeah. Wow. So what are you doing at WISE right now to create that experience? Well, so currently, you know, as we've recently migrated, we're continuing to expand the services, joining them with the hardware. You know, and the thing, I think we've got to do more of a job. Off. We just talked about this morning. I said you know, what's our best product that we have? Is it this? No, it's the app. That's the product. That's the best product. That's really why people want our stuff is because the app unlocks all of it. And so I think we've got to make sure that we promote the services and what the app does with our hardware so that people can connect and go, oh, that's how it all fits together. And in the beginning, Wise has been kind of a grassroots, homegrown you know, smart camera company, um, a lot of the fans of Wise know how to do all of this. They love it. They've embraced it. They're fantastic. Now, as we penetrate more into the market, we're, you know, the third uh, biggest smart home or smart camera company. We've got to now make sure that people who may not be as connected and, and know how all of this stuff works, how do we help them know how it works and get it set up without professional installation and things like that, make it easy for them. That's really probably the next um, step we've got to take to continue to, to have the growth that we're having. Yeah. Amazing. Awesome. Well, Rob, this has been super fascinating. Thank you for sharing your journey, your previous journey, where you all are headed right now. I mean, yeah, thank you so much. 
And until next time, where can our listeners find out more about you and WISE? Oh yeah, uh, WISE.com is just W-Y-Z-E if you're from the UK and Z-E if you're from the US. Yeah, and then myself, I'm on Twitter at Rob Kellis. And also I'm just Rob kjohnson.com if you're super interested so oh we are (laughs) thanks so much rob great well thanks for having me on it's been great stephanie hey listeners thanks for tuning into this episode i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did if you haven't already please subscribe rate and review this podcast it helps spread the word and i would greatly appreciate it see you next time Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.